One does not simply walk into geekdom. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. You're a nerd. Damn right. I'm a nerd. Naturally. All things geek are up for grabs. Music. Skits, comedy, or sitcoms. Dr. Who. I love Tim. Hurt. The Flash. Green Lantern. The Trinity. Batman. Superman. Wonder Woman. The Joker. Wait a minute. I want to talk about the Joker. Star Wars. Love me some Star Wars. Magic. I'm an art guy. Paranormal. Halloween is life. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Welcome to the Nerd United Nations podcast, coming to you live from Fairland. I am one of your co-hosts, Jared Boots, and of course, we're talking about I Hate Fairyland today. I cannot do it alone. I need to have my co-host with me, and she is one of the most bad-sass muffin huggers in all the worlds, Miss Melissa Nicholson. She is like the Gertrude to my Larry. Melissa, how you doing? I'm doing very well. That was like the best intro ever. <laughs> I said I was rereading these books of the night, and I go, that's how I'm going to bring Melissa into the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, like we talked off air, if we, if we were to pick two characters to be in this, from this comic, you, you have told me numerous times that Gertrude is your spirit animal. And I'm like, and I very much have guided you through the world of podcasting, so I'm very much your Laragon. Laragon Wentworth the third. <laughs> so yep. couldn't be a more fitting could be a more fitting pair. Nope. <laughs> so, it's fairyland everything you thought it would be. As you look around and see the see the mountains and the ice cream islands and the what appears to be the dead giggling giants over there, they have their chests ripped out. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, going to be a little bit more, you know, lighthearted ponies and and rainbows, but it's definitely not. <laughs> well, there's more there's... blood and guts here. <laughs> It's, well, you can tell Gertrude's been through here. You can tell Dark Claudia's been through here. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's not as bright and colorful as it was in issue one. <laughs> oh. So, Melissa, most of you probably know that I turned Melissa on the, these line of books. So, tell me, what were your first impressions of I Hate Fairyland? Uh, my first impressions were like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but you had told me that I just, you were, you said something along the lines of like, I think you really love these. And 
so and you know really enjoy them so i'm like all right so i found the the first one and i read it and it was absolutely hilarious from like you know page one it was just this zany random um just a little sarcastic you know kind of thing and 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 I immediately like fell in love with Gertrude because I just saw so much of myself in her and her like you know her just spontaneous behaviors <laughs> and just you know like a couple pages in and boom she's shot the moon you know spoiler alert <laughs> you know and just yeah it's <coughs> she definitely brought a new term to shooting stars. No, definitely. <laughs> Gave it a whole new meaning. So. <laughs> but yeah, I loved it from the start and uh and I kept up with it for the rest of the books and yeah, I love all of them. The the characters that they you know, she meets along the way are great and all have their own quirks and personalities and and you know so yeah, I really uh I really loved it. And I and I really like the art in it too. Like it's just so it's it's bright and colorful and then gory as ever. And it's just awesome. So <laughs> it 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 works. It, it Yeah. It just makes cuz you see this it's so bright and colorful and then you just see blood and guts everywhere and it just it's it's very much like some of those adult cartoons you see on uh, Cartoon Network, like Mr. Pickles or Super Jail or um, Metalocalypse, where they're bloody and gory. But this one's so much more bright and cheery. Uh, but it, it balances the bright and cheery so much better than some of those other cartoons do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely... used to say you were hooked, right? Oh, definitely. I was, I was certainly hooked. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was good from the start, and all them, all the books are good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, I was first turned on to this through a, a guy that I can't remember which comic shop it was, but um. He goes, I think I might have seen like a cover or something like that. Or it might have been a free uh, preview during a free comic book day. And they like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, he goes, I think you'd like I Hate Fairyland. It doesn't takes out the swear words. And it has like Muffin Fluffer and all this stuff in it. I'm like, oh, maybe someday I'll get around to it. And even to this flash forward five, six years later, my read list is still as long as my arm. And, uh, but when I saw the first trade paperback of I Hate Fair, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll grab the first trade paperback. And cause I think by the time I heard of it, it was already a few issues in. So it was too late to go back and it's just, just as cheap to wait for the trade to come out and take it from there. But uh, like I said, like the first few pages, I'm, I'm starting to dig it. Like, this is different. I like the art anime. I like the art style. Because that's one thing I'm I'm very picky about my art styles when I read a comic book. Like for example, I love the story of Dark Knight Returns by uh, Frank Miller, but the art style makes it hard for me to get through it. But I look at this, and this is a good balance. I love the art style of this, 
mm-hmm. a, a bad a bad art stock had taken me out of a book. But um, yeah, like I said, the the cartooniness of it with the blood and guts balanced into it just makes it. I don't know what it makes it so eye catching, but it does. It's, it's I, just so damn entertaining. I think it's because like the colors are so bold. They're they're just they're not they're certainly not flat. So like it's these really bright, bold colors and it just keeps you like interested and and everything, you know, that's going sort of on and and it just yeah, it it keeps you interested in it and keeps you reading because it's just it's so neat to look at. You know. <coughs> so I well, think that's I'm sitting here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I I flew through. These are pretty quick reads too. If you have the time to sit down, if you have the time to sit down and read them, um, they're pretty quick reads. And as soon as I got through that first trade, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the next one to come out. And I was hooked on it then. Mm-hmm. But uh, look at the cover of my first trade paperback, and I see a quote by Neil Gaiman. It says, uh, a candy-colored and vicious delight and always dangerously funny. That is a dead-on, balls-accurate freaking description of this. (laughs) It is just just as violent as it is candy-colored. Yeah. It looks so, it kind of, you know, it looks so innocent and whatever, but it's not, you know, and I just, yeah. Think, uh, think Candyland meets any kind of violent video game. Yeah. Think, think, think Candyland meets Doom. Mm. Only without like the vicious monsters. Like, so you take like that violence of Doom and combine it with Candyland, and you get I Hate Fairyland. Yeah, I think that's yeah, definitely. Guys, if you can hear this at home, it sounds like Gertrude is shooting stars out of the sky again. <laughs> you hear them? And Melissa, watch your head. Yeah. Oh, God. There it goes. <laughs> shooting stars are going to land on my head. <laughs> it's in my hair. It's in my hair. Uh, I got some stardust. <laughs> I got some stardust in my beard. I kind of feel pretty right now. But, uh, so let's, let's, get, let's get into the story a little bit. We're going to do a brief synopsis of the story if you haven't read it. But to start off, I'm having a hard... One thing I noticed from rereading these the other night is I'm having a hard time pinning down what Gertrude's age is in the book. So like in the first couple panels, they say she's like eight years... Like six or seven or eight years old. Yeah. They do, they do, some, they do so many time jumps in it. Yeah, because it's like she's she's the young girl, and then time, and then it's like twenty seven years later. So yeah, I'm thinking I'm kind of putting her at like maybe like seven, eight years old, maybe maybe not Six. even that old. Like sort of around there. Yeah, because when you get your first time jump, she'd be about my age, like thirty five. Yeah, but then when you get to it, like. Volume four of the trades, which would be like issue 17, 18, six, fifth, like 15 through 20, chapter 15 through 20. She's like been here for almost four decades. Like, well, 
So she jumped from like being in her mid thirties to being like late forties, early fifties, yeah. or like late yeah late forties. So this is a hell of a time elapse that we've had in these books. Yeah. So it's sort of yeah, it's hard to pinpoint exactly how old she is, like because yeah, there is so much like time jumping going on, and it's sort of like, well, how old are you? Like, I don't know. Which makes me wonder. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but is Dunk does Duncan age then too? It stay in his child form because Duncan still <laughs> seems very much like a kid. We we first meet Duncan in Volume Three, then we see him again later on in yeah. in uh, Volume Four. Uh, he still seems like he's the same age on the inside as he is on the outside. Yeah, I think so. I don't think. I think the only one who's sort of aging is Gertrude. It doesn't seem like they've aged anybody else, like Duncan or whatever. So I think he's still sort of that young kid. Where and then Gertrude's being aged all over the place. <laughs> yeah, she's. But then again, she's she's had a rougher life through Fairyland than uh, and Dun- old Duncan had a pretty. Thanks to Gertrude, Duncan had a pretty shitty life going through Fairyland too. But. Uh, <laughs> But um, yep. Uh, here comes another wave of stars. Yep, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> yeah. So we start off with Gertrude being a young child. We'll just say young child being whisked away into fairyland. She wishes she could go to fairyland, and then instantly regrets it as soon as she gets there. And I love how she's got like broken limbs and shit sticking out <laughs> yeah I look like in the beginning you know she wanted to go to a place filled with wonder and magic and laughter and joy and then she gets there it's like you know 27 years later and it's like nope she's kind of like this sort of crusty curmudgeon <laughs> yeah, like she almost instantly as soon as the portal opens up she doesn't want to go <laughs> yeah it's like no I don't want to die I don't want to die whap <laughs> <laughs> I love the brief look of concern on everybody's face except for Clean Claudia while Gertrude's laying there, broken arm and black eye, like, missing some teeth. <laughs> she just looks absolutely brutal. Beat up shit. Then. <laughs> Like I want to go home. Well, you have to find this key and turn the page twenty-seven years later. <laughs> <laughs> and I really think one of the first things I love about this book, like it has to do with, deal with the moon, and it's Gertrude blowing his brains out. But it's the fact that Gertrude, like, you know, we can hear you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like that, that fourth wall breaking and <laughs> Gertrude just blowing the brains out of the moon with a huge ass rocket launcher bazooka type thing. Which is easy if I want. Takes out stars. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get rid of the witnesses. <laughs> usually, if I, when I recommend this book to somebody, this is usually the panel I show them as they're blowing the brains out of a moon. <laughs> But with this, we get to our first time jump 
27 years later, Gertrude still very much looks like an eight-year-old on the outside, but she's in her mid-30s on the inside, and she's broken and dead on the inside, And which much of us have learned in our 30s, you're just broken and dead on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> being, being in my mid-30s, I can definitely vouch with Gertrude, but... <clears throat> And she and her uh, her uh, attitude is very much had an effect on on her guide Larry Gon Wentworth the third or Larry. He's also very dead on the inside and just stopped giving a shit about anything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's a broken down shell of a fly after twenty seven years of Gertrude. Yep. Although I, I think who wouldn't be hang out with her for 27 years? Oh boy. <laughs> but spoiler, like the, you do realize that these two are like have become like the best of friends. They, they're better friends than they appear to be through the first fuck what 18 ep- issues. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, they don't give two shits about each other. And by the end of uh, the book, they could tell they are a lot. They mean a lot more to each other than they lead on. You get oh, that yeah. typical that sort, of, that, that act, sort of like like they're they're really good friends, but it's also a bit like siblings, you know. How they just you know, they're they're the act of not really getting along and da, 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 whatever, but they you know, they care. <laughs> For a split second I almost thought like a Loomis Michael Myers type of relationship in a way, but because in the end, Loomis is so obsessed with Michael Myers that he's like the greatest relationship he had. But same time, no, because just because he's so obsessed with cracking down, cracking into Michael Myers's brain, and like pretty much lost his his wife, and he's lost like his family life, and all the other stuff. But <clears throat> it. Sort of like that. I mean, it's not the probably the best. Uh, I gotta admit, that's not the best comparison. I think to, comp- to compare Larry and Gertrude, but so essentially, <clears throat> getting back to the topic, the main storyline. Gertrude is trying to spend what twenty-seven years trying to find the key to get out of Fairyland, and she's just laying everything in the land to waste, just because she mostly because she chooses not to listen to Larry and. You'll find out later on the story that well, some of these riddles and everything she has to answer or solve are just so perfectly worded that she can't win. And um, and um, that she's just going through it. I might. I don't. Know, do you think? Do you think a lot of it has to do with her trials and tribulations of getting through Fairyland? Have to deal with her not listening to Larry or do you, or do you think, um, or do you think it's the odds were set against her to begin with? Like, yeah, how, how she reveals and like when she's dealing with the, the council towards the end, mm-hmm. how she says like, they essentially like word everything perfectly so they can worm their way around it. Do you think it's that? Or do you think it's, uh, or do you think it turned out listening to Larry? It's caused all of her trials and tribulations. 
I think it's her not listening to Larry, but I also think it's sort of the story too, where it's a story sort of like molding it so that, okay, she's got to go through all these things. Like it's not going to be, they're not making it easy for her to get through all these things. And, and yeah, like not listening to Larry either. Like she just, she's not, you know, turning a blind eye on him, not listening, whatever. And just causing chaos as she goes along. And, She's dealing with the consequences of her actions when she should be listening to Larry. If you listen to Larry, well, she would be going through all this crap. But <laughs> but she is because she's just she's stubborn and <laughs> you know doesn't doesn't really like authority figures <laughs> and just sort of you know so much of her personality too is like you know, march to the beat of her own drum and she's going to, you know, do it, right? So, you know. <laughs> and, and, and even though we're like five pages in this story, Larry's almost already like essentially dead on the inside. <laughs> like, uh, he, he's just numb to everything and he's going to maintain that numbness throughout the whole story. But, um, but well, we have another... We have another chicken and egg situation here. With uh, do you think? Do you think Gertrude is always like this, very violent, or do you think it's all this time in Fairyland that's caused her to be the way she is that we see her in the in these books? I think it's been her time in Fairyland because I think in the beginning she's sort of this innocent young girl who just you know, you know she wants just happiness joy whatever like she's just totally innocent and then being in fairyland for how long and it's just she's gone a bit nuts because she doesn't like to be there and so she's you know sort of gotten violent and lashing out a little bit and and just yeah she's a little off her rocker (laughs) Lash, lashing out, a, lashing out a little. <laughs> just, just like a little bit. <laughs> but lashing out at like everything, you know. So yeah, I think it's her time in Fairyland. Cause she, she doesn't like being there. So she's, uh, yeah, shaking her anger out on everything. <laughs> at what point do you think she broke? What? What? What point? In her time, what at what point in the twenty-seven years do you think she broke, or she snapped? Mm. I don't know. I don't know at what point. Like I kind of feel like when we, when she's first, like although it's already been twenty-seven years, so it's not really her first time being there. Um, like when she takes it out on the moon, I think is when she's like, you know, goes on her. Uh, Violent rampage. <laughs> I would but, say maybe I would say maybe a year. I think yeah. I'd say after a year she probably started snapping. Yeah, I don't think she 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 definitely doesn't have that. I don't know what am I looking for? Not patience, but like uh, adaptability to different things. And it's like this different place. She doesn't like it, and yeah, she she survive a year, and then it's like I'm done. <laughs> Enough of this stupid place already. You know. It, well, it could be the, or maybe the, I'd say at least her teenage years is probably when she started snapping. I bet just because going through that change, 
<laughs> for life and then getting that attitude that we all had as teenagers. Some of us still have. But uh, <laughs> I could say that'd be, we're putting way too much thought into a fictional story. <laughs> but we got to, we're nerds, right? Yep, what we do. It's like Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad. We're nerds, it's what we do. <laughs> But <laughs> um, yeah, I would say me at least her teenage years is probably. But when she started snapping, she's going through all those changes with the <laughs> attitude and everything like that. And then she just starts snapping. She would have been a teenager. I, oh my I, lord! I, I I highly doubt. I highly doubt the moon and the stars were her first victim because you find out later on because we have so many time jumps in the story throughout the twenty issues that. Was it uh, Volume 3 when they go into Larry's hat? Mm. And you find all these people she's kept in the hat. Like, I yeah. uh, can't remember the character's name. The uh, Lovelocks? No, it's vo- Correction, Volume 2 is when they go into Larry's hat when she's dealing with uh, Bart of Blackness. Um, when they are... What is that character's name? I'm sorry, I'm looking it up. If you had a point to make and go ahead and make it while I'm looking this up. <laughs> um, yeah, it probably yeah, probably wasn't her first because, yeah, she having been there so long, she probably would have yeah, like after the year, probably would have you know, started her sort of anger streak and violence and on whatever. It'd be interesting to know what her "Quote unquote first victim was, but <laughs> okay, okay, I, I found it as uh, Shirley Curly, who's essentially like a little little Bo Peep character. Um, just some of the random characters that uh, Gertrude has kept in her hat or in Larry's hat. So you got Porkley, who she grabbed from a barn to trade him for, uh, who's a pig dressed as one of the three little pigs, and she's gonna keep him as a, to get an upgrade at the wolf." That upgrade on the weekend package at the Wolf's Full Moon Spa, or uh, <laughs> Pr- Prince Perfect, who far from looks like it apparently. So you see all these uh, enemies she's made over the years. So I, I highly doubt the it's stuff like that that makes me think that she is not our. Uh, that's not the first victim. Mm, probably not. No. The moon's not the first victim. Yeah. It's one of many. <laughs> um, so that was after this, we they go to she goes to Las Vegas knockoff, and she probably I'd say she's where she has at least story wise she has her running with her first big villain or one of our first big uh, side villains, which would be the Slug Lord. Yeah. Which, for some reason, I thought he would come back later in the story, but no. Yeah, and it's, in, it's in it's in Lost Fungus, where she has a run-in with the Slug Lord. And... Lost Fungus. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, does she lay her, uh, that lay, lay that place to ruin, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the poor, she's flat out eating the freaking mushroom cops. <laughs> <laughs> And you get another taste of uh, 
her brutalness with the slug lord and she the slug lord will let her go if she can answer this riddle and he gives this big 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 convoluted riddle and she says she has the answer to it and she just beats the ever loving shit out of him well she pulls the job of the hut on him and chokes the shit out of him yep <laughs> Well, this is about the point where uh, Queen Claudia is getting sick of uh, the waste that Gertrude's laying in the, uh, the what what uh, Gertrude's doing to uh, Fairyland is laying this laying the place to waste. So she decides to so she gets Brood the Brutal first to go after yeah. her. Yeah, him first, and then yeah, and then she um, then we get introduced to Horabella. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's Brood the Brutal first, so um, she's trying to get rid of Gert, because Gert's been here so long and just laying fairyland to waste. And um, and Claudia cannot personally harm Gertrude, so she sends out this huge hulk of a mountain of a man, Brood the Brutal, to take care of it. And it leaves in that little cliffhanger at the end of the issue. (laughs) Cut to the next issue, Gertrude is drinking in the bar with Larry with the head of Brood the Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. even though we see Gertrude blow the head off the moon and pull up Princess Leia job the hut on Sluglord and lay waste all these cap... Were they cap cops or something like that? The mushrooms that she starts... I can't remember what eating. they... What they call... Um... Hmm. Can't remember. <laughs> but uh, I love that she just starts eating women. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Gertrude. <laughs> S- something like that. She's yeah. definitely at this point. Twenty-seven years later, Gertrude has zero fluffs to give. But uh. <laughs> oh, we also, we also skip over the one point where uh, the flying pigs, the flying pig saves them from the slug lord from Lost Fungus and drops Gertrude. <laughs> oh, she lays there unconscious for Lord knows how long. Larry builds the house and then has the family, <laughs> and <laughs> wife leaves him and he burns down the house. <laughs> Gertrude makes reference to it too. <laughs> I find that this is funny as he has a little house and just going through his life and then finally <laughs> As if Larry wasn't dead on the inside enough already he had to go through all that shit while Gertrude's laying unconscious. <laughs> but as, as, but as we're saying uh, I'm going to try to keep the language to fairy fairyland language uh, since we are in fairyland we need to keep it to their level of language so right. we gotta keep it to fluff we have to keep it to fluffs and sasses and licks <laughs> lits or lick lich or lick lick i think i don't know l-i-c-h so i think it was lich i'm gonna go with lich yeah 
That makes sense for pronouncing. I'm going. It. Uh, I'm going to the comedian Gallagher uh, route. Instead of saying chemicals, he says chemicals. But say it got a ch in it. That's how he's going to pronounce it. <laughs> so we're gonna we got to keep it to liches and liches and sass and fluff. <laughs> Use the we got to watch our fluff and language, Melissa, while we're in fairyland. All right. <laughs> I know it's hard for us. I know we got the explicit tag on this podcast, but we got for this episode. Let's try to keep it by fairyland we'll protocol. And try our best. <laughs> so, Claudia is getting sick of Gertrude laying waste of fairyland. She sends Brood the Brutal after him. Doesn't work. And we go out. We're introduced to a character who's going to pop up every now and then. Horabella, who's resident witch. Of the uh, of Fairyland, and she uh, casts a spell. She makes a potion and gives it to the Fawnlings. Is that who they are? Yeah. And essentially turns them into zombies. Which which land did they go to for that? Um, I do love I do love Larry's whole uh, like not necessarily fourth wall, but his dry humor of um, of uh, when they get to that that village and uh, you see the half-eaten brain on the on the ground from the uh, first. Uh, it's killing me. Not I should have wrote more more of these things down. Uh, Good job, dude. Well, it's Fawn Fawn Valley is where they run into all this stuff. That's where uh, where Horabella makes her wrath nuts, where she unleashes her like little Resident Evil style Resident Evil style uh, virus in Fawn Valley. Yeah. Which then, of course. Upon getting there at the hoof and the hoof and uh, the horn and hoof, where they Larry and Gertrude do love their drinking, but uh, that's where Gertrude lays Gertrude lays waste to all those fawns. She lays waste to a lot of them. <laughs> she does. And of course, one thing we are doing is. Uh, we're skipping over the the running gag throughout these stories about the uh, narrators being killed. <laughs> so I think it's at least like the first five issues, at least, at least the first three or four issues, we have a different narrator and they all meet their fate somehow. Yeah. <laughs> But that that first one getting laid to waste is just amazing. Mm. The moon, the first narrator is the moon, and then uh, and I think I might have misspoke about Gertrude being dropped from the flying pig. Maybe I'm not. I thought it was lost fungus is where it happens. I might have been wrong about that. I always thought it was lost fungus where she's in the. It's knocked out. After that. I don't know. 
I'm trying to think of where that is. Where that oh, happened. okay, okay. She 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 does get dropped by the flying pig, but uh, it's in the land of the polka corns where she where that tree bridge breaks off on her. Oh yeah, she yeah. Falls. Okay. That, that's that's where uh, that's where she falls and gets knocked out. Yeah. But, uh, during that time, we have to rewind just a little bit. Um, Claudia tries to bend the rules to get rid of Gertrude since Brood the Brutals failed, the fawn virus has failed. So since she cannot kill Gertrude herself until she becomes a unless she becomes a permanent member of Fairyland, she gets the council to bring another child over to Fairyland. That way, help that that child. Get the key and get out that way. Gertrude's stuck there permanently, so Claudia can kill her herself. Because mm-hmm. the rules say that the queen cannot harm a guest of Fairyland. Yeah. But um, so that's when we're, so when Gertrude wakes up from when uh, Gertrude gets knocked out in the land of the Polkacorns, that's when we get introduced to Happy, mm-hmm. who definitely polar opposite of Gertrude, and she is just. She's been there, what, a day? She's almost got the key to get out. And we're led to believe that Happy kills her, too, by blasting her with rainbows and knocking her through all these trees and everything. (laughs) We all know Gertrude could not be killed. She is... She's basically indestructible at this point. (laughs) She is one little... She's one tough little bad sass. Yes. Definitely. Fairyland language. I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) You you kind of like, ah. (laughs) Like, how did I say it in this book? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it is, it is, uh, Gertrude is, Virtually indestructible, and then she gets on to Queen Claudia's plans. I think she, what she does is she uses one of the mirror. She uses a, a mirror portal she got in one of her quests, and like confronts Claudia face to face, and she gets monologued on to Queen Claudia's plan. Mm-hmm. So she decides to go get some powers to herself, so she can fight Happy and beat Happy to the door and. All this stuff, or she plot to kill Happy. Yeah, and and uh, so she can get home or beat Happy to the door, or whatever, and take the key from Happy. So this mm-hmm. we're introduced to Darkest Deadeth, who was in a very which I had another character I thought we we saw more of, but apparently we don't. Um, yeah, there's so many background characters in this story, like it's. There, there's the few that that sort of have their their big chunks of moments, and then others. It's like you really hope that they have a little bit more, and then they don't. Like they just have their little bit of time, and that's it. Like it's uh, yeah. I'd say Horror Bell is probably the most recurring one we get of the background here because she pops up at the poker game, and she pops, or which we'll get to in uh, we'll get to in the next uh, set of issues, and then. Then she pops up at the end of the story too, but like yeah, Darkest Dead. I think he gets name dropped once later. We we see him for a few panels because he's one of the seven Dark Lords of Fairyland. Yeah, yeah. So Gert, Gertrude goes to him to get his power so she can 
fight happy and get some sort of revenge on Claudia. I think probably her the way I can translate is getting beating happy out of fairyland is probably the revenge she wants to take on Claudia. But um, I do love the, I love I do love Claudia's turn. We talk about Gertrude being broken somewhere in the twenty seven years she's been in Fairyland. How she goes from being this well, she never really started off in Fairyland as being a happy go lucky little girl like happy. She's like that in her bedroom, but then she turns into like a almost like a scared little girl when she first gets to Fairyland. She just wants to go home. Mm. And flash for twenty seven years later, she's just broken and dead on the inside and dead to emotions but um we don't we really kind of skipped over queen claudia and how evil and nefarious she's turned mm-hmm. over these 20 over these 27 years and um i guess you could definitely say that's a lot you that break that uh leans a lot hev- heavily on uh the fact of what gertrude's been doing to to fairyland so I think mm-hmm. Gertrude's Gerger, taking her toll on Queen Claudia. Yeah. Well, you can't be, you know, after dealing with, you know, with Gertrude and that, it's like, well, you can't always, you'd probably get a little really irritated with her and whatever. And so, yeah, Queen Claudia is now, you know, eventually, yeah, she becomes her evil Claudia, but <laughs> I think everybody's gone a little nuts after Gertrude. <laughs> She, she she becomes your typical uh, no I'd say not typical comic villain but more like she's more like a Lex Luthor if I had to compare to like a mainstream comic villain yeah but she I don't think well like like I said in the first couple panels she's the only one that when Gertrude first like hits the ground in Fairyland, everybody looks concerned about Gertrude <laughs> except Queen Claudia. She's got that smile on her furry face and her being all bright and happy and perky in more ways than one if you look how Claudia's drawn. <laughs> <laughs> that. Sorry, that's the red-blooded male in me noticing how <laughs> noticing Queen Claudia. <laughs> but uh, I'd say she's so. Would you, with her lack of concern for how Gertrude is all beaten up and bloody on the pavement of uh, Fairyland when she first arrives, would you say she gradually turns into like a Lex Luthor-style villain, or would you say she was always like Lex Luthor? It's just more hidden than anything. I feel like it might have been more hidden. Like, it was something that she... Like, she used that sort of happy, smiley, perky person as sort of, like, a disguise. Just that mask, right? For the people of Fairyland. But on the inside, like, she's just this sort of dark person. And it just needed that little bit to just, you know, break out. And she finally just, you know, kind of lets that side of her come out and... You know, she becomes who she becomes, right? So, yeah. I don't, I think, um, yeah, I don't think she was, like, already that, like, outwardly the the sort of evil person that she is. I think it was sort of that, that inside, and then finally, okay, we're just going to bust this character out, and she's going to be who she's going to be, right? 
you know, almost like Gertrude Forster hand. Almost, yeah. You know. Well, it also in her. To, uh, she's had it in her all along, but it took somebody like Gert to bring it out in her. Mm-hmm. So what does that say? Is Gertrude you know, the worst of everybody? <laughs> For, she really does, because we, as we read on, you find that Gert has made a lot of enemies, and Queen Claudia is definitely at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Gertrude gets the powers from Darketh Deadeth, and uh, Happy does find the key, and we get our as we're wrapping up here our first volume here. Happy gets the key, but then Gertrude shows up and just lays waste to Happy. Censored to he double hockey sticks. I can't remember the word. I think they. I think they flat out to say hell actually in Fairyland. So I guess like we can say hell. Yeah. But uh, sends uh essentially sends Happy to hell or kill. She flat out kills Happy. Mm-hmm. But uh, and she's about ready to walk through the door. And Claudia has to lay that one last uh. Dig that last nail in before Gert walks through the door, and then Gertrude cannot help herself but kill Queen Claudia. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, ignoring Larry and saying, Don't whatever you do, don't kill Queen Claudia. Yep. Well, you really think Gertrude's going to listen to Larry? Nope. She's going to go right into it. To which we find out whoever kills the ruler of Fairyland becomes the new ruler of Fairyland. So we essentially end the first series of books with Gertrude now becoming the queen of Fairyland. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any moments that... (laughs) Hail Emperor! (laughs) So... Before we move on to the before we move on to the uh, volume two, anything you want to look back on that we we skipped over, or any moments you liked about the first was it was it five issues per volume, something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. So five, it's the first five issues of uh, the book. Before we move on to the next five, I can't remember which book it is. But I had taken a picture of it because I really love the that moment in the um where <laughs> where Gertrude's kind of being like uh her and Larry are kind of having a conversation and then Gertrude kinda has this sort of like thoughtful moment, like where she the she says, The choice, I guess, I don't like having um I don't like not having one. It doesn't matter how fun something is. If you're obligated to do it, you learn to resent it. Before long, that resentment turns to hate. And then, uh, and then Larry's like, sort of awkward silence, like, what? And then she's like, what? Are you? Why are you looking at me like that? And then, because he's then he replies, because you just said something profound. I'm not sure how. I'm not really sure how to process it. And then, and then Gertrude's like, "I'll process it for you," and punches him. <laughs> oh, that—that's that, way—that's way late. That's towards the end oh, when okay. she's uh, that's when she's in hell when she has to relive everything, all of her okay. failures in hell. Right. Yeah, uh, that—that's pretty fresh in my memory because I read it. La- I read it last night, so that's that yeah. one's pretty fresh in my memory. 
Yeah. I think, like, my favorite moment, though, is, like, sort of the beginning where she's just, you know, she takes out the moon and the stars and just goes on this rampage. And it's hilarious because it just, it starts the story off. So just definitely uh, on an interesting path. So that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree with that one, too. And uh, the herbal and the brains out of the moon and the stars. And then another one I kind of like is the... Uh, Hurling waste to all those zombie fawns in Fawn Valley. Yeah, I like that's another that's another section of the book where I really love the artwork of it too. Mm-hmm. Like those fawn those fawn zombies just look amazing. Yeah. Uh, we did gloss over her trying to flirt with a frog prince in one of the bars. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he's maybe he's turned off the, the fact that you look like you're eight years old on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> More of that dry humor from Larry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, after like like Gertrude, after after 27 years, he has zero fluffs to give. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. <laughs> Maybe he's turned off the fact you look like you're eight years old. Was she blame Larry? Like Larry threw her off. Larry threw her off her game or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it's the fact that you look like you're eight years old? Yeah. Or that. Um, oh, I just want to look normal for once. Like one time, I want to look normal, and then she's. What is it? You look like. Um, when finally like her wish is granted and she's like all like pimply and whatever and and you look like you've been on a diet of she's like, like and whatever and and uh, you've been on a, fair, like, been on a fairyland yeah. diet for twenty or for three decades. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, she looked like she had like type like she had type twenty two diabetes or something like that. <laughs> Fud my life. <laughs> Because <laughs> she was drinking the Fisher, she was drinking Wisher's ale. Yeah, so she had the, the wish to be, to be. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I found the panel. I said I wanted to look normal. I sure as puff didn't wish for this. You've lived on a fairyland diet your whole life, which is basically sugar, sugar, and then some more sugar. So your normal seems to be a walking type 19 diabetic tumor. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you never know. Maybe that frog knight finds that kind of thing hot. If you're listening to this and you own a microbrewery, please batch us up some Wisher's Ale. Yes. <laughs> if I were to, of all the, of all the, I would put this in my top ten of comic book themed beers I would drink if you somebody made a Wisher's Ale because this, I don't think I hate Fairyland has caught on as much as I thought it would or it would like I would like it to because it is such a good story. Yeah. It does have its weak points in it. Story-wise, it does have its weak points, but it is a good story. What story? What story doesn't have its weak points? 
Well, exactly. A lot of stories have weak points, and and I am surprised like that it hasn't like really you know become bigger because it is such a it's a different unique story, and you would think it would be more popular because it is good. Like it's a good story and- about characters and humor and you know. So I don't know. Well- it's not it's not part of the big two, Marvel or DC, but it did come out through Image, who is I don't know who you'd say would be in the number three spot for comic book publishers. It'd probably either be Dark Horse or Image. Yeah. Image is owned by Image has launched names like Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee. So yeah. how I would say maybe Image is probably like number if you did like top two or DC and Marvel. We're not going to yeah. get in the debate which one's number one, number two. Um, I'd say probably image is number image would be number three. I'd say. <laughs> I, I I'd say image has that slight advantage over Dark Horse because Dark Horse's biggest horse, no pun intended, the biggest horse that uh, Dark Horse has going forward is Hellboy. Mm. But I'd say image image has that little edge over it because it has a lot more. Um, um, other characters that like Spawn probably being one of the bigger ones, Alley Cat, yeah. uh, a lot of those bigger ones come out coming out of uh, Image. So I'd say Image probably be number three. Yeah, I would say that. That that would probably be that's fair. <laughs> to be fair. Uh, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. Or should we call it Fairyland? There we go. Fair. Very that. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, we can move on to the next five. Oh, which I guess we should have said at the beginning of the episode. Uh, we're, Melissa and I are going based off of the trade paperbacks, which is collecting five issues at a time. So now we're going to move on to volume two, which is issues six through. So issues six through ten, mm. we're going on to now where. Starts off with Queen Gertrude, and she is not ruling well. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I think, the, I think the title of this volume, Fluff My Life, is it really does get uh, very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Where living the queen life has not been good for her. Nope. Like, sign this. But I do. I, I, <laughs> but I do like how issue six opens with the with the gladiator style fight she has going on <laughs> with uh, that, that little pink creature. Oh, what is it? Um, it's essentially just like a oh, it's the buffle truffs. <laughs> just rips the sh- rips the chest out of that other giant creature. Um, so very much like Gertrude in a cutesy, uh, Gertrude in a cutesy animal form. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, uh, so I'm trying to think of the name of the guy that Gertrude starting to remind me of here towards the, uh, towards the end. Um, when she locks herself away up in the, when she locks herself away up in the, uh, <clears throat> the tower, but uh, yeah, we're 
we're so we'd say Gertrude's been queen for at least a year because we find out later she has her yearly review or her review of her first year as queen. We see all of her mishaps she's had as queen. She cuts the uh, she cuts the imster of Orpland in half. She, which is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, well, when she eats the ribs in front of the farm people, <laughs> blowing up ships, blow up, so she, she's still very much being Gertrude, and yeah. <laughs> only with the, now a crown and a fancy scepter. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like that's the thing with her; like she never, yeah, she becomes queen of Fairyland, but she never changes who she is. Like she just keeps the same. Same person, same attitude, and everything. <laughs> like her fights and her behaviors and all that stuff. <coughs> it was, it was one of the first things, at least one of the first things we've seen is she uh, releases that spell at the. Uh, yeah, she's doing the commencement speech at the Harbinger School of Witches and Warlocks, and she unleashes some evil spell. Blows the school, blows the school up, <laughs> and she cuts the hipsters in half. She does all that stuff. Now she starts getting Trump-like. She builds a wall out of candy to keep uh, armies from going to build a going to build a wall. It's gonna be a magnet. It's gonna be unbelievable. Everybody, everybody's talking about it. all the lands are talking about it. Unbelievable. <laughs> What is the <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I saw a wall when I was reading that. I instantly started thinking of it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, eventually, Gertrude becomes a, a Howard Hughes-style... Uh, Recluse uh, going to the bathroom, and I love how like you see this random guy delivering a wheelbarrow full of jars, the bottles, the bottles are talking, and all of a sudden, I wonder what we're gonna be used for. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out after at some point, at some point in the year of being Queen Gertrude, has become after being such a, for lack of a better term, a screw up. Of being queen of fairyland, she becomes a Howard Hughes style recluse, <laughs> and we making water, making water in uh, these bottles, and <laughs> not leaving the room. Um, she's then have was, is given her review and is relieved of her duties of being queen of fairyland. Which are we to assume now? We flash forward. All these issues are we led to believe it's King Cone takes her her place because King Cone in the later issues is the king of Fairyland. So are we led to believe that King Cone takes Gertrude's place? I would say so. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. She's if he's king of Fairyland, so then he would, you know, somebody's got to take her her place, right? So it may as well be him. And uh, and I'm doing a. Quick skim through of uh, 
of volume two and not seeing anybody else, but, um, yeah. So uh, let's just say that King, we assume King Cone is, takes, uh, Gertrude's place as ruler of Fairyland. Yeah. But, uh, issue seven, we are introduced to another important recurring character and that's Duncan. <laughs> it's cute little dragon costume. We meet him in the real world singing about uh trying to think of that song he's singing fairy freezy fairy freezy tastes like magic on my tonguey tongue tongue fairy freezy fairy freezy cast your spell on my tummy tum tum it's just like that why I, I I love Duncan so much. I think I think it's the dragon costume actually. I think it's the dragon costume why I love Duncan so much. And yeah. still very much he's still very kid like even after all the time he spends in Fairyland and Gertrude just screws him over. He's still very much like that happy little go lucky little kid. Mm-hmm. But different from happy, how happy was uh kind of that borderline fake happy, like that over the top Whereas he's like he's genuine, like he's a genuine like happy-go-lucky kid, you know, and he hasn't changed that, like, or he hasn't been changed by, you know, the environment around him, you know, he's still which, this happy kid. Which which is surprising because Gertrude screws him over pretty hard numerous times yeah. in the story, but I see like when we. It'll, it makes sense when we get to our fan. We're gonna fan well, later on in the story. We're gonna fan cast an animated "I Hate Fairyland" movie. And when you see why I chose who I chose to do the voice of uh, Happy, you'll see why I chose her. Because mm. how I heard the voice for Happy in my head, and how I hear the voice for Duncan in my head, there yeah. there are two different types of Happy Go Lucky. Happy's is more like cutesy, butterflies and rainbows. And uh, well, Duncan's just like a happy-go-lucky kid. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's yeah, that's kind of why I chose who I chose as well to voice the to voice his character. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But one thing I did forget about how we went when I was doing my reread the other night, how we meet Duncan. We meet Duncan on Halloween night in the real world. Hmm. Just a little treat that I love oh so much. <laughs> but, but Duncan is at the Magic Mart and he's going to try all seven. Was it all the. I thought it was seven. I thought they gave us a number, but Fairy Freezer super duper special flavors. And he's going to drink them all. <laughs> <laughs> and in a pretty funny fashion, I like is that Duncan gets. Brought to Fairyland through um, <coughs> a magic, a magic out, a magic bathroom is how Duncan gets brought to Fairyland. Because <laughs> after how many, after how many Slurpees, Duncan gets how Duncan gets sucked into the real world. Yeah. <laughs> or, would, or would you say he gets flushed into Fairyland? Ooh, hoo, hoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we get to meet Duncan. And I'm trying to meet where Duncan and Gertrude actually meet. 
But uh, then we eventually made into another another boss in video game land, essentially. And uh, who is the boss of this one? I can't remember. There. there. <laughs> well, we go to the. We go to the Tower of Battle, which is essentially just the giant uh, video game arcade, which we get introduced. We get introduced to uh, a different art style, more uh, anime style. Yeah. What is the name of the boss that runs the Tower of Tower of Battle? Oh, Nikki Nines. That's it, yeah. Nikki Nines. To which Gertrude is put to the test again. <coughs> and seemingly lays waste to another crap ton of characters. Starting with Glam Bam. Who definitely lives up to being the most fabulous fighter. But I couldn't quite put my finger on what, which video game character he reminds me of or what Glam Bam reminds me of. Yeah. Like a, it's almost like if David Bowie and Blanca from Street Fighter had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that reminds me of. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> but, uh, so Gertrude seemingly weighs waste to all these until she gets to the big boss fight. Pretty, pretty princess. <laughs> Cinderella on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> to which to which I know Larry loves watching Gert get the crap beat out of her for this. Purity punch, hardcore high heel combo, <laughs> respect the crown combo, fancy fatality. <laughs> <laughs> which we all we also didn't really we didn't talk about the stakes of this, which Gertrude has to do. If she wins, what is it? Um, so if she wins, um, she gets a code she needs. But if she loses, um. I already forgot his name. Nikki Nines. Nikki Nines, yeah. Nikki Nines. <laughs> you think of you think with him being a cat, I'd absolutely love his character. But he's so. he's 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 so in and out that he's just a blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. But um so um and Nikki Nines has the code, but if if Gert wins She'll give him the code, but if he loses, she loses. If Gertrude loses, uh, he gets to keep Duncan. So first, uh, first of many times that uh, Gertrude screws over Duncan. Well, I wouldn't say she screws him over. Well, she screws him over by the fact that she's willing to sacrifice Duncan for that. But... Um, She did. I don't think she meant to lose against uh, Pretty Pretty Princess. Mm-hmm. Pretty Pretty Princess. That's a tongue. That's a tongue twister. Yeah. 
Pretty pretty princess. Pretty pretty princess. Pretty pretty princess. <laughs> if I had some wishes sailing me right now, I probably wouldn't be able to do it. Nope. <laughs> unless I said unless I said I wish I could say it three times fast. That I'd be able to say it three times fast, no problem. Because I wish I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fairyland logic. Yep. <clears throat> Anything you want to chime in on? <coughs> uh, <coughs> I can't stop coughing, maybe. <coughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Um, just dying over here, but what else is new? Mm -hmm. Um, um, yeah, it's interesting, the, you know, what Gertrude's going through, like, you know, video games and, um, you know, (laughs) pretty, pretty princess and, you know, um, Pretty, pretty, pretty princess stuff definitely does not skip leg day. Nope, definitely not. <laughs> definitely a, a bad sass. <laughs> not, not easily defeated even by, from uh, Gertrude. <laughs> her, her dress hides her size very well. <laughs> <laughs> As Larry says, uh, Gertrude's so fluffing fluffed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fancy fatality. <laughs> Is that the, yeah, that's that whole scene with the, the points for the different stuff that they that's happening in their fight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty, pretty, pretty princess. First attack, royal rampage. Lay it lands uh, two billion hits. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at some of Gertrude's. Like well, we got face break, face fatality, rock the rock, ice cold combo, where she's like taking out an ice cream person. She's taking out like a Mar. She uh, cuts the arm off of a Mario typical character. Yeah, but yeah, but then first combo, pretty pretty princess lays on her two billion hits. Royal Rampage, hardcore high heel combo, pretty purity punch, respect the crown combo, <laughs> fancy fatality. <laughs> That would be if it was an actual video game. It would be hilarious. I, hope, <laughs> I, I really hope there's a video game developer out there that is uh, a video game developer out there that is a uh, I hate Fairyland fan and creates Pretty Pretty Princess to be yes. uh, to be a, like a DLC character mm. and just have her be like a ultimate boss to be like in most downright impossible boss to be like a boss you get 
that just levels you in like three seconds and you get so miffed off because you're wasted. You waited so long to get to her and you get wasted in like two seconds. Yeah, and it's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> and like we said, like after she loses and Duncan has to stay with uh, Nikki Nines. See, I remembered it. <laughs> there you go. Um, how Duncan Duncan asks if Gertrude's coming back for him. I'm gonna be honest with you, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so another anonymous time jump later, we got Gertrude playing cards with uh, a bunch of well, a bunch of uh, random bad people in uh, bad people up in a. Uh, Fairyland, Horabella being one of them. And really the only other one we're introduced to is Bard of Blackness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only what? other one that comes up in the And then he he's got a good uh good chunk of that story. Yeah, for this book, because uh, uh well Gertrude loses a hand of cards to him and doesn't have the chips to pony up the bet, so she's gonna Give uh, well, Bart of Blackness likes his uh, well, is his name Bart of Bart of Blackness, Duke of the Dark Lands, and the Ward of Okay, Bart of the Blackness, Duke of the Dark Lands, and Ward of the Night Souls. Mm-hmm. Do we? We're just calling him that. We're just calling him Bart of the Blackness, even though we can't really say it's his name. But yeah. Or we could, or we could go with Mr. Ridiculously Long Name. <laughs> as, Gertrude call, or as Gertrude calls him, Mr. Ridiculously Long Name. <laughs> but, uh, apparently, Mr. Ridiculously Long Name has a thing for exotic pets. So uh, Gertrude is going to go into Larry's Hat of Holding and get a... Forgive me if I mispronounce this. This has got quite a few syllables in it. Catastrophon? Catastrophon. And we now we get this whole side plot where well we get like two plots running consistently while Larry's hanging out with uh Larry's hanging out with all these evil all the people that were doing the uh they're playing doing the card game with while Well you gotta really love uh Larry's use of the space inside of his hat of holding here while Gertrude's trying to find the catastrophon. And she ends up battling uh, the Lints. So in Fairyland, Lint becomes essentially like an evil creature. You have to fight. Yeah. But this this whole side plot where uh, with Gertrude, where we talk about where we we talked about early in the story, how we're trying to make in reference to uh, all these uh, time jumps where. Gertrude's essentially paying for her past sins of all these time jumps where we meet Shirley Curly and Porkly and Prince Perfect and all these other characters where uh, where Gertrude just kidnapping all these people. Now they have to time up and fight the Lince and Shirley Curly gets disembodied. She says Shirley Curly essentially became a, a Gertrude, Gertrude 2.0. Mm-hmm. Until she ultimately meets her fate with uh, 
with from the Lints. So while Gertrude's doing this, calling out for Larry to help her, we have this strange. I'll strange is the best way to put it, subplot with Larry and all the other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it turns into some party hookup party kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Things things got pretty wild there for him out there, I guess. But it looks like uh, Gertrude's the only survivor in the whole lint battle. And she uses uh, she uses the box loader with a plasma cannon, so very alien, channeling her Ripley, laying waste to the Queen Lint. All to be saved by the cat dun 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 the cat cat on. <laughs> Which is so cute. So if I had to take a pick of all the cat characters in Fairyland, I I picked the catastrophon over Nikki Nines. <laughs> <laughs> to which we've later revealed catastrophon lays waste to everybody mm-hmm. after after Gert and Larry leave. Evil Duncan. Now we flash for the next issue where we get Gertrude in these tunnels. I have to decide which tunnel she needs to go into. So do we count this as a time jump? Or is it like a what? Is this a time jump or a what if? To we get toward the point where we get Road War- essentially Road Warrior Gertrude we get Evil Duncan. It's kind of a what if. I wouldn't say it's a a time a time jump. It's more like a what if because it's placing these characters in a different scenario. Well, we we, we get road we get Road Warrior, but we also get Road Warrior Gertrude going back in time to tell present day Gertrude to make the right choice. So to set it up for you guys, if you haven't read it, Gertrude is in this tunnels and she needs to pick the right way to go mm. and if she goes one way it's going to be good for her she can find her it'll help her find her way home but if she goes the other way it flash forward we flash forward to like a post-apocalyptic fairyland where larry is turning into gandalf the gray gertrude looks like a road warrior and duncan has gone full dragon essentially so that's what we're dealing with here <laughs> So that's what I'm trying to ask. Is it more of a what if or is it a, a time travel thing? Is it another time jump? So we're, we're to assume that Gertrude went the wrong way. Yeah. Well, because like, you know, I guess you could you could say it, might, it was a, a what if, but also could be a time jump because she, you know, like she would pick the right one the first time. Right. Like she would, you know, pick the wrong one and end up in this whole you know, post-apocalyptic world where, you know, Duncan's a full-on dragon and and she's a warrior. And so, yeah, I could see it being maybe maybe a little bit of, like, a little bit of both, of a what-if and a, and a time jump because you went through the tunnel and then ending up there. So it's kind of hard to say, though. But you know, At which point we... Had to assume like 
it's all her fault too that why Duncan is the way he is because uh, mm-hmm. she neglected him so much, left yeah. him with Nikki Nines and just treated him like essentially sacrificed him up as soon as they got there. Yeah. Or as soon as Duncan got there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with I, I really can't quite decide if it's a time jump or a what if. I, th- I would say it's more of a time jump. Like you said, we like you said, we assume she picked the wrong way. Mm-hmm. To which point Gertrude. Eventually, after Road Warrior Gertrude comes back to the past, tells Gertrude not to go this way. What does Gertrude do? She goes that way and. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, like telling her not to do something, which she does it anyway, and ends up in this place. So it's. Yeah, it's hard to say what it, what it could be. Um, maybe time jump? I don't know. Sort of makes sense, I guess, if it was. I guess best we can say, guys, is like read it for yourself. You can take your own. Uh... It's kind of open ended. Like it's kind of you can decide for yourself as to which way you think it'll it would it goes. Uh, that wraps up the second volume, the second set of issues, but. Uh... Now we try to see let's see if, if anything, Gertrude is consistent, if anything. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Like she like I said, like she's never she's she's like the most as much as she's like this, you know, psychotic person who just does what she does and causes havoc, lays waste to this world, she's very much consistent in in everything she does. Like she never changes is she never you know, there's always you know, that, that part of her that just sticks with her and consistent throughout. I kinda I that's what I like about her. Like she never she never changes anything for anybody. It's just this is who I am and then how you're gonna deal with me. And <laughs> you know. Definitely. Definitely. Now, when we, and when we get into this next set of books here, um, where Gertrude decides she's going to try to be a good girl, and that, that's been the problem the whole time. It's, she's not a good girl. Mm-hmm. But she still has her usual mishaps. And yeah. Now, we just talked about how... During the poker game, that catastrophon lays waste to everybody in the tower, including Mr. Ridiculously Long Name. We see him on the floor of the uh, convention they're at. Dungeon Dungeon Fest Expo Con. Is that somebody cosplaying as Mr. Ridiculously Long Name? Or is that actually him? Hmm. It could be a cosplay, but you know you don't know, right? Well, if we have somebody uh, cosplaying as Gertrude, it's that we eventually meet. Spoiler alert: What's her name? Uh, you were so awesome. Yeah, so uh, Gertrude's at 
this convention, Dungeon Fest ExpoCon, wanting to meet her hero, Gwag the Barbarian, who very much a typical celebrity, like one of those typical stuck-up celebrities you hear about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you can't so, really, you can't really uh, blame her because Gertrude's like obsessively fangirling all over her. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find the name of. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of that this girl. Oh, it's Maddie. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie's cosplaying as Gert Gertrude. Mm. So. So Gertrude goes and after getting her butt handed to her by uh, getting her sass handed to her after Gertrude gets her sass handed to her by uh, Gwag the Barbarian, she meets her biggest fan, Maddie, who's straight up cosplaying uh, as uh, Gertrude, who wants to be her apprentice, essentially. But one thing I've noticed about this, like the books from here on out, is we get a lot of jokes Gertrude making a lot of jokes about Larry looking like private parts. Mm-hmm. Which I, that kind of got overdone for me a bit. Yeah. I I, I don't know if maybe I just missed it the first ten issues, but I noticed it more in the, like the last ten. Yeah, like it's sort of I found it kind of like the humor was there in the first couple and then it sort of I don't know, slowly went downhill to like these, yeah, you know, all the, the, those little jokes and things. And it was like, okay, I'm this, it isn't funny anymore. Like, it's just, okay, you have a joke, whatever, then move on and do something else. And it just, the joke kept being told. And it's like, yeah, first 500 times is funny. 501 is not so much, you know, it just gets a bit tired. And and I kind of found that in those the last couple, um, last couple books it was just sort of it just yeah went downhill and then it really wasn't like the story was still there but like the jokes weren't as weren't as funny. Yeah, that's why. That's like the weakness of the. That was the weakness I was kind of talking about as. Uh... Mm-hmm. It's just like the jokes about calling Larry, the jokes they made about Larry, then like here on out, that'd probably be the one weak point. But um, so we're introduced to Maddie, who is Gertrude's number one fan, and uh, she's having her influence on Gertrude's having her, definitely having her influence on her. Which I love how it's the fact that Maddie does not shut up while they're talking, while they're sleeping, and. Eventually, the patient's starting to wear thin on Gertrude, and then, <laughs> but, but even Maddie wins over Gwag the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. To which point, Gertrude ultimately ends up, after a while, ends up killing Maddie by throwing her off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right, right before she throws. Right before she throws Maddie off the cliff, she decides that's when she's going to be a good girl. Mm-hmm. Or try. Yeah. But uh, starting now, 
thought you were going to be a good girl. I just threw Maddie off the cliff hole starting now. It didn't count. <laughs> I thought about putting Maddie, do like a, 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 here it is. Okay. So after I threw Maddie off the cliff, what about all that? I'm going to be good and turn this, turn this all around stuff. You just said, Oh, that's starting now. That didn't count. How's I supposed to learn how to be good with that annoying hugger puffer running her gobstop rod all hours of the night? Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so now we start our turn of Gert learning to be a good girl with one of the, some random samurai mission that being a good girl is the only way Gert knows how to be a good girl, which is still being Gert, but not uh not quite being the good girl she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like E for effort, but she still hasn't <laughs> It'll take her a long time to be that that good girl. <laughs> so essentially laying waste is with the whole the Shiitake kingdom. Is mm-hmm. that what they're called? Yeah. Definitely to waste all that. To save this baby, and she gets the baby back to the... Gets back the, to the mother, which the mother, spoiler, ultimately eats the baby. Well, E for effort, Gertrude. So we got Gertrude just uh, trying to be the good thing and kick into a essentially Larry's backstory and how... Larry became the fly he is today. Mm-hmm. We discovered that Happy has really been his only, or no, Claudia, uh, Gertrude's been his only guide or person yeah. he's guided. I kind of glossed over that. I didn't really want to get into the whole backstory with Larry. It's kind of long convoluted and we're running long already yeah <laughs> uh, so I say like probably the next big plot point we get is uh, is the labyrinth <laughs> yep which I wonder what movie they got this from uh, I don't know couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try. Was there an official name for this place? I was trying to. I thought what there was. I don't. Was there? I don't think so. I don't yeah, remember I, there being. I know. Well, I, don't know I know Gertrude nick, nick, nicknames it something, but yeah. uh. But we're introduced to Loveth Love Lord. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's been a running joke. David Bowie's package in Labyrinth has been a running joke for years and years. And <laughs> I'm glad to see Scotty Young has kept the, the, kept the joke running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how Gertrude is definitely, definitely sickened by it. 
It's essentially the first thing she announces. First thing she notices when Loveth Lovelord um, announces himself. <laughs> and we do get the obvious. For those of you who haven't read this, uh, Loveth Lovelord runs this labyrinth, and he is essentially like a spot-on recreation of Jareth, the Goblin King, down mm-hmm. to the down to the enormous package and tight pants. <laughs> and we even do, do get, we even do get a David Bowie reference when he says "hush your mouth." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to which Gertrude is wanting to be a good girl. <laughs> she has to, she has to get to the center of the labyrinth, and she. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Uh, she needs to get her hands on Love, Love Lord's balls of redemption. <laughs> <laughs> These are the balls of redemption. Really, you couldn't have named them in something less dirty, old manish. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm really, I really thought we had a name, an official name for the labyrinth. No. It's so, just... we... yeah. So the deal is made. Uh, such a clever girl. Yes, there's something in it for me. If by chance you cannot find your way through my little maze, but if you succeed, I give you my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say my balls. Fine, the balls. You're still <laughs> making me want to throw up. Nevertheless, make it through the middle, and you get them. But if you don't make it, you will marry me. Wait, no, wait, what? No fluffing way. <laughs> but, unfortunately, Gertrude shook on it, so... We are met with the cause of Gertrude does not make it through the the center of the labyrinth. She has to... What was the time limit here? I know it was by the full heart moon. Yeah. By the next lover's moon. Next lover's that's it. So you see in the background that the moon is shaped of the heart and it slowly gets fuller each time we see it. But then the running gag you get throughout this whole labyrinth is that everybody who offers to help Gertrude Wants to marry Gertrude. <laughs> <laughs> and in love with Love Lord, who was watching the whole time, starts laying waste to all these potential potential uh, suitors. Who is your favorite? Uh, who's your favorite? Uh, person that proposes to Gertrude I don't know there's so many of them I guess one after the other Um, I'm trying to remember the characters for the life of me I can't remember the characters well Um, you have the first one we're introduced to is uh (laughs) 
selling a map. Booger bagging. Booger boggins. That's the yeah. first one. And I. <laughs> he gets crushed with a giant mace. And then. Yeah, the rest of them aren't named. So you have like a giant flame character who Love Lord extinguishes with water. Got a slug one who's killed. Who uh, Love Lord kills with salt, which he has to do with a bad pun by hit the salt my game, Love with Love Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I think and, that one, yeah, that was my favorite because of the pun. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, a lot of the other characters we don't see. They just we just see hands and an engagement ring. Um, yeah. Oh, we yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say the fire one because I goes I will take you to the center of this labyrinth if you do me the honor of lighting the fire in my heart by marrying me. <laughs> <laughs> but Justin it looks like they're out of time, Larry and. Gert, make to the center. Well, it looks like we're out of time. Whatever. I don't even care anymore. I don't think I can handle another marriage proposal. <laughs> to which I love Larry's uh, response. I'll be your maid of honor, but don't even think about making me wear any hats featuring genitalia at your bachelorette party. <laughs> 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 which uh, Larry does. Larry goes on to make a joke about how Gert's been making the genitalia jokes a lot lately. Despite your obsession with relating my overly bulbulous eyes to balls, exactly. No, look. Move to the center. So, yeah, Gertrude solves the labyrinth, but Gertrude has to fight the dragon before she gets the balls of redemption. (laughs) To which we... It's supposed to be Draugon. Dragon... Dragoon. Dragoon. But spoilers. He couldn't make it. So she has to fight Duncan. (laughs) So we get our first reappearance of Duncan the dragon. Yeah. (laughs) But why can't Dragoon make it? Something about his sister's baby shower. What is it? Like you switch schedules with me and <laughs> switch days with me. So, but Duncan has learned a thing or two. He's learned how to fly and breathe fire since last time we met him. Mm. But at last, he's taken out with one single punch. <laughs> And Gertrude becomes the, she gets the balls of redemption, becomes the good girl she wants to be. Which kind of creeps everybody out, looks like. But it doesn't seem like everybody's buying it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, who, what? What's with this new act that's sort of like. Well, it's funny <laughs> that, uh,. <coughs> They see her approach. This can't, this random kingdom sees her approaching, and they prepare for war. Because Gertrude's, if we haven't mentioned before, Gertrude is known far and wide throughout Fairyland. She is notorious throughout Fairyland. 
And uh, which I think Maddie Maddie leads on, which we get like a taste of with Maddie. Well, mm-hmm. Maddie and other characters like Prince let us know that Gertrude is well known throughout Fairyland. But um, it seems like the one person that's not buying it is once again is Horabella. Mm-hmm. Horabella has a plan to take down uh, Gertrude. Once again, good Gertrude who finally finds the key. This is the first time we see King Cone also is in this story. The uh, Horabella gets this huge army together and couldn't like wag the barbarian and everything. And uh, Gertrude finally finds the key after almost 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Took her long enough, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Took a bit. But then... But then Gertrude ultimately dies. All these barbarians attack her. They throw the weapons at her. That they throw them at her for some reason. They don't charge it. They throw their weapons at her, and they all miss. <laughs> <laughs> and one throws a lollipop, which Ger- good Gertrude picks up and starts skipping towards the door, trips and falls and dies on the sucker. <laughs> <laughs> thus sending thus sending Gertrude to hell. Yep. To who plays to who we get another cameo from? Happy. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> do you think so after all Gertrude's been through, like defeating all these people and whittling waste of fairyland for thirty years, do you think her choking on the sucker is a do you think it does justice through the story? I think so. Out of like, you know, all the all the things she's been through, all the you know trials and things, and the simplest thing kills her. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing you wouldn't expect from her, and and it just. <laughs> So I, I think, I think so. I think, uh, yeah, because I don't know. Would it have been too, you know, too simple if she gets, you know, a weapon thrown at her and then she gets hit with it and dies? Well, no, get lollipop and she's dead. So I think it's it's kind of fitting for her. <laughs> I think it kind of works. It works well. It's very world War of the Worlds ish. Mm. Big alien invasion, and they're laying waste to everything, and they die from the common cold. Yep. <laughs> Gertrude's been this big bad sass all over Fairyland, and then chokes on a on a lollipop while she's skipping with it. <laughs> but they don't skimp on the gore there either. No, they don't. I- they go right into that, don't they? Her <laughs> <laughs> brain sticking right out of the back of the head at the, at the end of that lollipop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. uh, I'd say it's a very ironic and fitting death for Gertrude. Yeah, I agree. 
So yeah. now we move on to the last set of books with uh, essentially Gertrude reliving her own hell, her own personal hell. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, Happy is not the devil, but it's one of the forms the devil takes. Yeah. Well, now nah, here's Ron confused again. Oh, maybe not. Where uh, the devil's taking all the different forms. <laughs> and of course, we get another Mr. Ridiculously Long Name cameo again. Mm-hmm. But I like the random pig one. It was, I don't even remember you. <laughs> <laughs> but the devil takes the form of Happy, Brood the Brutal, Slug Lord, Bard of Blackness, some random pig, uh, one of the guys from the Shiitake Kingdom, and Maddie, and then Queen Claudia. But we find out Gert's ultimate punishment is she, well, the devil sends her home at first, making her, make her think she's home and everything. Mm-hmm. But then, essentially, uh, we find out, we reveal that uh, Gertrude's hell, she has to relive all of her failures over and over again. She has to relive everything she's done in Fairyland over and over again. That is her hell. Mm-hmm. But our devil character, uh, I'm just going to name him, uh, since that's what he calls himself in uh, at the post office, Bill. <laughs> what is it? Um, And so Horabella reaches out to an, somebody off screen and ends up being the devil. She's trying to find a way to... Why is Horabella doing this after all? Oh, I think she wants to lay waste to Fairyland herself. So she contacts the, de- she contacts the devil or the hell, the Fairyland's... Uh, Fairyland's uh, name for the devil. They made a deal sometime in the past, and but uh, we we catch up with Duncan once again, who ends up getting a job with the Fairyland Postal Service. And he's still wearing his dragon costume. <laughs> Which point you think yeah, it's got to be like fused to, to his skin? Oh, probably. <laughs> probably <laughs> probably smells terrible too. Yeah, it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be very fresh. Jermaine, <laughs> I think I'm gonna save my stupid unicorn onesie I have downstairs for the play. Make it. Into, I think we're doing a monsters under the bed sketch. I think I might save it to turn it into a monster costume instead. <laughs> that would work. Yeah. Yeah, I'll cut. <laughs> I'll get rid of the unicorn horn and everything. Hmm. Make it look a little less. I'll have to wash the pig smell out of it. Then I'll probably make it look a little less cutesy. Mm-hmm. Should have gone for the dragon one. Then I could have been Duncan for Halloween. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, so our two stories crossover were. Was gonna, for now, I'm just going to call him Bill because <laughs> uh, the manager of the post office is talking to Bill or. The devil, he goes, I've been known by many names, but you may call me Bill to keep things moving along. 
<laughs> so Bill, Bill is Bill is ma- mailing something to Horabella, in which, unfortunately, all the overnight carriers or all the same day carriers are gone for the day. So Duncan is the one that gets Duncan gets charged, uh, tasked in delivering the package to Horabella. To which case, it is revealed that Horabella is creating something evil, and it ends up being the soulless creature, and which will end up ends up turning on Horabella and ends up killing Horabella. And later to reveal that it is, we well, get uh, spoilers: Dark Claudia. Mm-hmm. Which I must I must say I love the design of Dark Claudia. Yeah. If I were to get any I hate Fairyland tattoos, I would definitely get one of uh that road that like that road warrior tickets we got with like that full on dragon Duncan fighting uh fighting Gertrude. But yeah. also like I'd I'd also like a tattoo of a dark Claudia. Yeah. That'd be cool. So now we are essentially going to start running everything together because essentially the overrunning plot for the rest of the series is Dark Claudia is laying waste to everything in Fairyland. And then Gertrude is still in hell, reliving all of her failures in uh, all of her failures in Fairyland and once Duncan, old Duncan witnesses firsthand the creation of Dark Claudia and realizes Gertrude's the only person that can save them. So he's essentially on a quest to find Larry, who's essentially gone into hiding too and find out, yeah, people are wanting, wanting him to write a book about being Gertrude's guide in all these years and everything. So they go to the council again and they get the heart of the count. They give, uh, they bring, they agree to bring, well, should we brings Bill back in the mix again because uh, Duncan and Larry had to convince the council to bring Gertrude back to life like they did with Claudia and like how Bill brought Claudia back to life with Horabella, all this stuff. And this is when you start to see like the more vile side of the, I always said earlier about Claudia being more of like Lex Luthor, more, she's more of an, a Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so take that back yeah. from a, an hour and a half ago when we said she's like she's more like a Palpatine. Palpatine, yeah. And she's sort and of slowly like pulling strings on things, and you know, yeah, like she, yeah, I, w- I would say that fits her a lot better than than yeah, Lex Luthor. But we're but we're also learning, but we're also learning at the count the Fairyland Council that the elders of Fairyland they're not. They're not all squeaky clean either themselves, but um. No. So they finally convince the council to bring Gertrude back, and they give her the heart of the council. So now she needs to defeat Dark Claudia with the power of light after defeating the other Claudia with the power of darkness. Mm. And to quote William Defoe from, uh, this is where we get a lot of the exposition dump where you mentioned earlier how Gertrude says. When you're forced to love something, you eventually hate it and re- resent it. We get that, and um, we get this huge exposition dump how 
the council essentially had it out for Gertrude the whole time she's been there and how they pulled their, their kids away from their homes and forced them to do all this stuff and against their will, essentially. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and take it for a minute. <laughs> it's, I do find it interesting, like with, you know, in the beginning of this, this series, it starts out very, like it's, it's lighthearted. It's fun. It's, it's, you know, hilarious and all the, you know, the characters that you meet along the way and it just gets kind of crazier and as you go along. But then, like, near the end, it just becomes this a little bit, a little bit darker of a story because, like, not that it doesn't already sort of have its obviously dark moments, but, like, with the council and everything and, you know, finding out what they've been doing and revealing that, well, you know, they're not so squeaky clean, you know, in this whole group, they're not. And what they've been doing to you know, Gertrude and some of their plans and then, you know, finding out what, you know, that Claudia, she's, you know, um, you know, obviously she becomes this, you know, the evil character and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see those characters, you know, like Claudia become evil and then see the, oh, what really has been going on and all that being revealed, you know, um, that, you know, yeah, it's been one heck of a ride, but it's been sort of steered, you know, however, you know, steered by others, right? When when really Gertrude's thinking, well, I'm making these choices, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, and it's like, well, you know, underneath that, there's a layer, and <laughs> people are, are, you know, steering her in a, in a direction. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting how all that sort of comes together at the end yeah at this point we were all essentially we're focused on one story mm-hmm. so we don't have all these other side plots going on like oh, what's that? what's horbella up to what's claudia up to it's what's duncan doing we're mm-hmm. all we're focused on one continuous plot now yeah yeah that's the like you know, as much as I do love, you know, these these books and things, there's so many, like I've, you know, I've said it before, you know, all these background characters that, you know, you, they have their little moments, whatever, but then they're all part of, like, different side stories and plots and things, and it's, it just, so at, at, at times it is a little bit unfocused, because you're kind of all over the place, and you're trying to remember, oh yeah, who's this character, who's that character, and then, you know, some you even outright forget because their their appearance is so short, and you know, and then it's finally, yeah, then it's finally focused on one thing that we're finally like, okay, this is all that's happening, and it's in one consistent, <laughs> um, one consistent story. You know, it's not so squirrel and you know, focused uh, on things. Like going back to the running joke of uh, all the uh, all the different uh, narrators, <coughs> introduce yeah. all these all these random narrators, and they just end up getting killed. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh, Gertrude end up, ends up. Ends up defeating uh, um, 
dark Claudia, but by, by not killing her though, she was, she seems very tempted to do it, but hmm. Larry, she finally listens to Larry to, for the first time after now it says almost 40 years. Okay. Um, <laughs> of, uh, cause Larry brings up the point. Well, the council said defeat her, not kill her not necessarily kill her. So she going against them if you kill her, right? So she decides to let Claudia live. King Cone throws her into the dungeon. But then, as we've mentioned a couple times in this episode, the council appears and says, Oh, no, she's still alive. So, no deal. Mm -hmm. Which Gertrude just goes off on this rant about how, Well, you're like, Oh, now you're stuck here. Oh, no. Uh, this is what you guys do. You twist everything around perfectly so nobody can succeed except for you guys, and blah blah blah. And but then she, uh, beautiful plot twist is how she has Larry refer to the rules of Fairyland and how, as long as she's has the heart of the council, she doesn't have to give it back. Mm-hmm. So after she after she threatens to lay waste to the council, they uh. They're very, uh, the best comparison, I know you haven't seen the, the new, the newer It movies yet, but, um, the best description I can think of for the, how the, the council of the fair, the fairy elders are very, the Fairyland elders are very cowardly. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you threaten them with the, now just thinking of from It was a, there's an analogy where the main bully his dad uses on him where you act all big and bad, but uh, when you threaten somebody like that, they watch him crumble. And the, the quote is, nothing like a little fear to make a paper man crumble. Mm-hmm. So once once uh, Gertrude threatens to lay waste to the Fairyland Council, then, well, you can go home. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because they know they're as long as Gertrude has the heart of the council, they are fluffed. Yeah, yep. Because But because uh, Gertrude doesn't have to give the heart back if she doesn't want to, as long as she has it. Yeah. But uh, but then we get the reveal that it was all a dream. Mm. We do. We do. <laughs> We do get to see that Larry is sad that Gertrude is gone. Something that we sort of hinted at at the beginning of the episode about how uh, Larry and Gertrude did have that bond where they you find out they do care about each other, but they are, they are sad when they're no longer together. Mm-hmm. But with... Uh, do you feel cheated about this being a dream the whole time? A little bit, but I, don't know, I think it's interesting that she that that was all dreamt up. Like everything, all the characters and whatever. Like you know, wow, that's a pretty you know vivid dream. <laughs> but it also Very vivid. like she she just you know went through all that and end up it's not you know it's not real. So yeah, it's a it's a little bit disappointing there, but you know. Still, you know, I guess give props to her for being 
quite the imaginative dream, so. <laughs> what did she eat or what did she smoke? To... Exactly. <laughs> like, holy cow. <laughs> oh. I guess there's one way to look at it is it was all a dream or she did experience it, but and she just aged up as soon as she got back, but mm-hmm. I'd say it's, I'd lean towards more of the dream aspect because it explains why how essentially except for the whole lollipop thing how invincible she pretty much was yeah well exactly like she she would have been dead how many times over and (laughs) like she kept coming back to life it's like yeah there's you know something up with that (laughs) She wouldn't have fallen and broken her neck when she first came to Fairyland. Yeah. <laughs> so, thoughts and opinions on I Hate Fairyland? Oh, it's it's good. It's fun. It's it's random. It's you know, it's literally one one hell of a ride. And you definitely, if you're gonna start, you know, if you get you know, if you want to haven't read it and you want to get into it, just go in completely like open-minded and blank slate. Like, just have no expectations of it because it's yeah, it's one one kind of unpredictable ride. And definitely with Gertrude, it's you know you don't really know what she's gonna do next because she's just you know this crazy lady. But um, a lot of fun and you know yeah, it has its weak points, but. You know, like we said at the beginning, like what story doesn't have their weak points, you know, but it doesn't ruin the story completely. It still makes it a good story. So I love it. I think it's it's awesome. And, you know, I don't have anything to it was fun rereading it again because hadn't re hadn't read it in a very long time. And so it was uh, cool to go back to it again and, you know, be reminded just how funny it is. I agree. Um, like I said, it, if you're looking for a comic book that if you want to take a good break from all the superhero stuff and you want something that's like genuinely entertaining that will keep your attention, this is definitely the story for you. Um, if you're somebody like me who artwork plays a big part and if you how much you enjoy a story, then this will lock you in. Um, Scotty Young's work. Scotty Young's work is really good. It, his style carries on over to the work he's done with Marvel and everybody else. Um, which I, I I do love Scotty. Scotty Young's one of my favorite comic artists out there right now, working uh, next to like next to like Joel Jones and Jim Lee and Greg Capullo, um, and Todd McFarlane. I probably put I'd put Scotty Young above Todd McFarlane. I'd probably put him like in my number three behind uh, Joel Jones and. Uh, Joel Jones and uh, Jim Lee, but um, but it's yeah, like we said, I'd say the the real weak point for me in this story is just the emphasis on genitalia jokes with Larry. Mm-hmm. That'd be the really only weak point I find. I just I think it's kind of lazy writing. Yeah, like you you could have thought of something funnier, but all you can think of is dick jokes. Like it's sort of yeah. It gets a bit tiring. 
Yeah. Kind of reminds well, the- me, like, so, two-second side tangent, kind of reminds me of, like, the movie um, The Hateful Eight and how, like, that. there's that sort of ongoing joke of, oh, you have to put the board up on the door to keep it closed. And it's sort of, like, it's a joke that gets a bit tired after a while. So it's the same thing here where it's like, okay, enough with the jokes. You mm-hmm. made the joke. It was funny. Move on. You know. Yeah. Well, other than that, I still give this story an A overall. It's probably one of my favorite non-superhero related comic stories. Yeah. Definitely. It's super fun. A lot of fun. So I Hate Fairyland by Scotty Young. Um, Highly recommended from both of your ambassadors here. So now, what we're going to do now, now that we live in a world of uh, superhero and comic book movies, every and TV shows, we're get, now we live in a world where every comic book is getting turned into a TV show or a movie. Melissa and I discussed we are going to fan cast an I Hate Fairyland movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, just, we decided on animated because I think it would be pulled off a lot better than a, than a live action movie. Be mostly CG if it was live action, it'd be mostly CG anyway. So, yeah, I'd rather just go the extra step and just have it be animated. Yeah, Melissa and I came up with a list of eight characters, and we decided we're gonna pick a professional voice actor for each one and a celebrity for each one because, no, in a perfect world, they would cast these in a perfect world, they would cast uh, professional voice actors for an animated movie. But I'm not complaining, we get celebrities, but. You get more effort, more heart put into it if it's a professional voice actor, I think. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to go down. So here's the, we we picked Gertrude, Larry, Queen Claudia, Happy, Duncan, Horabella, Bard of Blackness, Loveth Lovelord. So we're going to be, and I picked two extra ones, uh, Darkest Deadeth and Greg Barbarian, just because when I was thinking of my voices, I was inspired so uh so melissa for should we start with gertrude or should we start with uh, love with love lord or should we start one of the lesser characters or start with the main the main bad sass <laughs> um you know what let's start with the the main bad sass let's mix okay. it up a little bit. so who did you pick as your voice actor your professional voice actor for gertrude um, no, I pick, well, this was more basic, like, just, uh, I don't really know, like, professional voice actors, so I'm kind of lame on that, so, anyway, the person that I picked who I think could voice this, could voice Gertrude, and it's sort of based on her sort of past characters and, and how she's portrayed them and things like that, and I... I'm going to try not to butcher her last name because it's a little bit different. Um, Diane Guerrero. And she was Crazy Jane in Doom Patrol. Mm. I think she would be good because of how she plays Crazy Jane. Like, she's all these different multiple personalities, right? And she goes from one extreme to the other. And I'm just thinking, like, I think she could bring Gertrude to life in the sense of how just Gertrude is and her sort of 
slight multiple personalities in her spontane- spontaneity and sarcasm and and I think she could I think she could do it. Hmm. I didn't think about that. <laughs> well, then again, I also broke down. I also broke down mine by voice actor and actual actual actress or actress slash actress. Okay. So uh, that's a good choice because I could I could see there with like what for example her baby doll voice. Hmm. And of course she wanted to be like Hammerhead or Silver Tongue for. Uh, for normal Gertrude, by good girl Gertrude, if I had to be baby doll. Mm-hmm. But um, so the professional voice actress I picked for Gertrude was E.G. Daly, mm-hmm. who's known who's known for doing the voice of uh, Blossom from Powerpuff Girls, oh, and okay. Tommy Pickle Tommy Pickles on Rugrats. Yeah, she's also Dottie in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. She does a lot of, a lot of live live action stuff too. She's Dottie and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Lately, she's been in a lot of uh, Rob Zombie movies. Uh, she was a s- s- sex head in uh, 31. But when I when I look at Gertrude, though, like I think of her voice. I wasn't. I'm not a huge Powerpuff Girls fan, but I just thought of Blossom's voice. Mm. No, hard. wait, no, wait. So Blossom. Or Buttercup. It's Buttercup, isn't it? It's Buttercup. She's the voice of Buttercup. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So I, I've, I imagine. See, I said I'm not a fan of, not a huge fan of Powerpuff Girls, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I imagine Buttercup's voice is Gertrude. And then for professional, for, if we went the celebrity route, I picked Margot Robbie. Hmm. See, I was thinking of her too, uh, just in the you know the, like these kind of crazy characters, and I think she would, yeah, she would. I could see that. That'd be awesome. Right. Who are your choices for Larry Gone? For Larry Gone, I um, I was, I was actually this one wasn't that hard to think of because I was sort of, um. I picked uh, Maurice LaMarche for that one because he played Kiff. And it's sort of, Larry is a bit like that, where he's just like zero fluffs given, he's tired, he's just kind of done, and Kiff is sort of that same way with Zap Brannigan, right? Where he's just like... (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, that is perfect. I'm like he he needs to be be the, the voice of Larry, so that was uh, <laughs> that was my pick. <laughs> I thought of I thought of Maurice Lamarche, but not for this character. I don't have Maurice on my list at all, but he was the one I kept thinking of. Yeah, but I just I just couldn't find of the characters we picked. I couldn't find one for him. Yeah, but well, I, I thinking Larry just because like his yeah, like I. I thought who who could play this this sort of character and i'm thinking it's got to be him but who is your your pick did you pick did you pick a celebrity for larry at all <coughs> no i kind of oh. my... <laughs> i got basically one choice for for everybody um because for me it was really hard to come up with people to play these characters so 
Um, it was sort of my one my one decision for each one. So. Oh well. Yeah. I I chose one of Maurice's friends. I chose Billy West for Voice oh. of Larry Gun. Ah, good one too. Yeah. Because I tried to find voice actors that could disguise their voices a million ways. Mm-hmm. Tried tried to find those voice actors. We go, oh, that's him. That's him. That's him. Billy West is literally the man of a thousand voices. He's the half yeah. the voices on Futurama, and there's times where he's essentially half the episode he's having a discussion with himself. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but he was, for he was my, my radar too. <laughs> but for but for uh. But for uh, my celebrity, I picked Mark Hamill. Yeah. <laughs> I love to see, see Mark Hamill as Larry. <laughs> see, I thought about Mark Hamill, and I'm like, I don't know. I couldn't place him anywhere. Like, I just, I tried to think of where could I put him, and he just didn't fit for me. But that's interesting that you, that would be one of your choices. I feel like it's kind of a cheat, too, because he's also a voice actor. Yeah. yeah, he's more known. But he's more known for Luke Skywalker than his voice acting. Hmm. What about Queen Claudia? Now I don't know if I'm really. This one was tough because I, um, this one is like pure like celebrity pick, and I'm I'm still not sure if I'm happy with it, but. You never know. You can't you can't judge a book by its cover because based on other past performances by actors, it's like nope, I can't judge anymore. So you never know. <laughs> um, I picked Kristen Wiig hmm. for that one. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Hmm. I think she'd be. I think she'd be good as the like initial Queen Claudia. Like sort of the happy perky lady, and then yeah, she could probably, she might be able to pull off the evil Claudia, but yeah, thought it was a different. She'd probably be a perfect. If they ever did live action, I think I think she'd be perfect for a live action Claudia. Yeah. Um, for mine. For my professional voice actress, I picked one I'm absolutely in love with. I picked Tara Strong, mm. who was one of my original choices for Gertrude, but then I didn't know like which one of her stunning voices I'd pick for her to Gertrude, but yeah. I thought she'd be a good Queen Claudia. Yeah. Boy, but I'm really proud of my celebrity one I picked for Claudia, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. That's a good choice. I I was I don't know why I was so proud of myself <laughs> for that, but I was. <laughs> I was well, at work then, like, oh, Jamie Curtis would be perfect for Queen See, Claudia, I, even when she becomes Dark Claudia. Yeah, I've got one in my list here that I'm really proud of. Like, I was like, yes, this, that's it, needs to. <laughs> oh. Don't worry, I'm not done patting myself on the back yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next one is Happy. Happy? I picked um, Melissa McCarthy. Because I think, like, she's got that energy and she could do that overly happy, 
almost sickening happy voice. You know, like this sort of high-pitched, like, oh, look at me kind of thing. I think she can do it. <laughs> okay, so Kristen Wiig for Queen Claudia. And quite the Melissa mix. McCarthy for happy. Melissa? <laughs> Melissa? What? Melissa? What? Did you watch Ghostbusters again recently? <laughs> oh, actually, I have not watched it in a long time. Surprisingly. Okay. Because <laughs> no. if you bring up if you bring up Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon for other voices. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, and I will prove that very soon. So stop <laughs> it. <laughs> I do love I do love me some Melissa McCarthy. She's one of my favorite actresses of all time. I think she's awesome. I really love like you know I love the energy she brings to all her characters and yeah some of them I will admit are a bit of the same but I still love her. I think she's she's amazing. So I would I would love to see her in this and see what she could do with the character of Happy. I think that would suit her very well. So. Well, for my professional voice actress for Happy, I picked Cree Summer. Okay. Who's most known for uh, Susie on, uh, she played Susie on Rugrats. She was the voice of uh, Elmira on Tiny Toon Adventures. And that's, that's who I originally, I, I said before, I mentioned off air with Melissa that the voice actresses I had for Happy and Gertrude actually flip-flopped. I actually had Chris Summer as Gertrude and E.G. Daly as Happy, but then I flip-flopped them. Yeah. So, so I imagined for Happy that Elmira-style voice that do-do-do. Like, if you <laughs> know Chris Summer's work, she's got that tone to her. And um, for my celebrity, I picked my favorite ex of all time, Sherry Moon Zombie. Because <laughs> watching her play Baby in... Uh, Rob Zombie's uh, Firefly Family tribute or trilogy, that height, that perky and bright and happy, then she can turn and be nuts as she has to. Mm. So that, so those brief panels when we do get happy as the form of Bill, aka the devil. Yeah. But, uh, next, what about Duncan? Duncan t- was. <sighs> A tough choice because there's a lot of actors who could play that sort of character, but I think because he's so he's so innocent, he's so just he keeps being a kid. He's not really changed. I picked for Duncan um, Jack Dylan Grazer, and he played Freddy in Shazam. (laughs) (laughs) I picked him. That's that's. That's who I picked for my uh, celebrity one. <laughs> That's funny. I was wondering if we're going to have any that would match up. Yeah. I had have, I have a feeling. I'm like, oh, there's going to be one or two in there that's going to be the same. <laughs> but there's a lot of ones that you had picked that I thought of, but I didn't pick them in my, didn't put them in my list. But so it's funny. You're very yeah. much in some of our choices. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, Jack Dylan Grazer, his performance as Eddie in the, the two It movies and as Freddy and Shazam is like why I picked him. He, um, Duncan's a lot, lot, lot less of a smart Alec, a smart sass than uh, Duncan is, but yeah. I think he could still bring that, bring a, a do it justice. But um, mm-hmm. for my voice actress, uh, yeah, I want the old rot like a lot of ca- cartoons do. Sometimes they cast women to do the voice of boys. Um, I casted uh, Nancy Cartwright for I Duncan. I wait for it. <laughs> well, Tara yeah. Strong's Tara Strong's known for doing that too. So is E.G. Daily. But I went for Nancy Cartwright, and not for her Bart Simpson voice. She does the voice of like four or five boys, I think, on uh, Simpsons. Yeah. Pardon me. But um, uh, more for her uh, one of her nerdier characters. I think his name is Data or Data. Oh, kind of high pitched voice like this. Like it, that's <laughs> kind of how I imagine Duncan a little bit. So mm. I picked I picked Nancy Cartwright of Bart Simpson fame for my professional voice actress of uh, Duncan. But yeah. I love how we got the same one for Jack Dylan Grazer. <laughs> <laughs> that's too. That's too funny. That is. <laughs> Uh, next one I have written down is Horabella. This one I don't have anybody for. I can't. I don't know who to cast her as. So that's the only one I don't have somebody because I'm just I'm not sure who could be that that character. Oh, uh, I went with the Simpsons act voice actress of. I went with uh, Tress McNeil. She's more than just Simpson. She's done Futurama, done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, Tress McNeil for professional voice actress, and I went with uh, Helena Bottom Carter for professional actress. See, I was thinking of her too, Helena Bottom Carter but for Horabella. Like I was, I was like, hmm, but I, I just, I wasn't sure. So that's funny. We're on the same page. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah let's put her in there. She'll be my choice, Helena Bonham Carter, because I think she could, she could do it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll listen to her voice work in uh, *Corpse Bride*. Mm. Or her as the Queen of Hearts in *Alice in Wonderland*. Yeah. Yeah. I like her as an actress, like a you know, like voice acting and all that kind of stuff. Like she's just amazing. I love her. She's she's probably my top five favorite actresses too, is Helena Bonham Carter. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about Mister Ridiculously Long Name? I chose for him uh, Rowan Atkinson, who's Mister Bean, and oh. a bunch of other characters. I just. I, I looked at him and I even I even had my mom chime in and, and help. Like, what do you think? Like you look at this character and who do you think could voice him? And she was like and it was funny, we were sort of on the same page, like Rowan Atkinson. So I think I could see that with it because he's sort of like he can play that that ridiculous Mr. Ridiculously long name. He's kind of this he tries to be a villain, but he's also a bit of a bad villain. You know, like he's he's not very good at it, and I think Rowan Atkinson could bring that out <laughs> and sort of bring that to life. So that was that was my pick. Yeah, that's a good choice. Like this was probably the hardest one because we don't see very much of him. 
So, so I try to think of another voice actor who's really good at disguising his voice because I thought about like John DiMaggio, who I love as Bender on Futurama. I thought about and his Joker is great too. Um, I thought about Maurice LaMarche. I thought about Rob Paulson. I end up sitting on Tom Kenny, uh-huh. mo- most known for his voice as uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Yep. But um, but he also can disguise his voice really well. Mm. Um, but my celebrity was totally random. I picked Michael Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't know why the the name popped in my head. I'm like, yeah, that would work. Mm-hmm. That could work. Definitely. <laughs> and uh oh loveth love lord no, we obviously can't pick david bowie since david bowie's passed on because he would be the perfect one to to play well of course who, who did you choose as loveth love lord i picked alan tudyk <laughs> that might be a little hard to do it's gonna be hard. Oh, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I was thinking something else. I thought Alan Rickman. Would be, Alan Tudyk would be good. I didn't even think about him for any of these. But uh, yeah, Alan Tudyk. That's a good one. Mm. I just, I kind of, I, I was like, who could play this character? Because he's kind of, he's very different from, like, the, it's sort of a a parody of of Jareth, right? So I see him as sort of this kind of like a little bit flamboyant into himself. He's just, and he has that kind of little like kind of snobby voice sort of thing. And I just feel like Alan Tudyk could pull that off. I just, I don't know, it just seems to work for him. So I don't know, it would work. It'd be funny. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry for the disconnect there for a second. Yeah, that's a good choice. I didn't even think about Alan Tudyk for anything. But now I want to go back and cast him as somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd probably go back and cast him as King Cone then or something. Mm. But um, for my professional... I, I kind of bent the rules a little bit with my professional voice actor for Love with Love Lord and chose Ralph Garman. Mm. Does, a lot, does a lot of his voice work for... Family Guy, yeah. But he does a podcast with Kevin Smith called Hollywood Babylon, and he does a lot of impressions during it. And one of them is a David Bowie impression. <laughs> so I, I picked him. And then for my actor, another one I'm proud of myself for, Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah like i said i had two other characters that just popped in my head when i was trying to cat- place people um i casted a darketh deadeth as tony todd of Candyman <laughs> fame and the voice of zoom mm. and um tony todd's got one of those deep booming voices i thought it'd be perfect for like yeah. It's just like you see, you hear him in Candyman, or you see him in uh, do the voice of Zoom from season two of The Flash. The deep boom of voice. Some people want their lives narrated by Morgan Freeman, some by Samuel Jackson. I want mine narrated by uh, Tony Todd. <laughs> yeah, and then, 
And then uh, Gwag the Barbarian, I cast as Mila Jovovich. <laughs> she was literally, I literally had her cast for like four different characters almost on this <laughs> list. <laughs> but like, none of them seem like they fit. But uh, Gwag the Barbarian, I thought it would be a fun one for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> spoilers keep that name Mila Jovovich in mind for our next episode <laughs> yep did you have any other characters you thought of off the top of your head while we were going through the story or going through our list that you'd like not, to cast not really because I sort of you know there were so many other you know, like the background characters, and I was trying to pick the ones that are sort of have, you know, their good few minutes of fame. So, yeah, I didn't think of anybody else. Um, I was trying to think of, like, who could, like, I know, like, the moon has a short part, but I was like, who could be that? I don't know. Um, so there was, there was a couple, but I just didn't come up with anybody that I would cast as those characters. Yeah, like I said, a lot of them don't have much of an impact on the story. Maybe the moon does come back, but he doesn't talk. Yeah. Like, he really only talks in, like, the beginning of the um, of the books, or the first book. So. I'd say if anybody, maybe, like, I thought about, I thought about Slug Lord, but I, I thought he came back more prominently, but I was wrong as I reread it, but um, yeah. I mean, same with Darkest Death. Like we don't, he gets that. He's in the end of the first set of books, and then he gets name dropped like one, one or two other times after that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Scotty Young, if you're listening to this, or Hollywood producers, if you listen to this. We essentially did part of your job for you. Go out and cast this I Hate Fairyland movie. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> what else can we say besides you're welcome? You're welcome. <laughs> I guess that's just our way of being us. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah. So, I hate Fairyland. Go out, buy it, read it, enjoy it, watch it, read it with a little bit of Wisher's Ale. <laughs> Just make sure you're careful what you wish for when you're drinking it. Mm-hmm. And let's look over there. It's the key for us to get back home. Oh, I see it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, for, before we open the door to go back home... Where can uh, our listeners find you on the social medias? Uh, you can find me on the tweets and Instagrams. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, hold on. Hold on a second here, guys. Um, at Miss Melissa N. That's uh, capital M, M-I-S-S, underscore, capital M-E-L-I-S-S-A, capital N. You can find me on Twitter. And then... You can find me at basically the same handle, except Miss Melissa N is all one word, and I have 25 after the N. 
So you can find me on there. Where can they find you, Jared? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA Mr. J. There's underscores in between QCA Mr. and J. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at United Nations Podcast. Are we ever going to start an Instagram? Maybe. We probably should. <laughs> we can have like. I've sort of thought about it. Like, we can do themed pictures and whatever for whatever the podcast will be. And so we could do that. Yeah. So maybe upcoming fans of an Instagram account. I've been thinking about some art. I've been thinking about doing some artwork for this, for some random episodes, including this one. Mm. But, um, and you can also find us on Podbean and on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave us a review and a rating. Which, by the way, Melissa, we have a rating. Ooh. We have a rating and a review. Nice. We have a five-star review, and it comes from Goth Fifi, my Aunt Stephanie. <laughs> Wrote, who wrote this a long time ago? I just I just now noticed it about a month ago. I just noticed it. So Aunt Stephanie, I'm sorry for the delay, but as promised, we'll read the review. And it's just entitled "Nerds Heart Nerds." Enjoy just listening to you both sharing your life and what makes you nerds. I believe that everyone needs to be their own person and share their stories to help others relate and understand. Thanks for sharing. Heart heart. Aww. Thank you, Goth Fifi. <laughs> yeah, make sure you follow in the footsteps of my aunt Stephanie and leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcast. And also, thank you to everybody who's been commenting on our posts on on our episodes on Podbean and on the Facebook page. Uh, keep it up; we love hearing from you guys. We also love to hear some uh, episode topics if you happen for us. So make sure to reach out to us. So. Uh, to give you a little tease about our next episode, we're going to have a very special guest with us. Um, we'll forewarn you now. Make sure you guys buckle up for this next episode. It's going to be fun. Um, we do have a very special guest from one of the many podcasts. we From a couple of the podcasts we mentioned quite often. We're not going to reveal his name now, but when the time comes, we'll let you guys know who it is. Um, so... Time to turn the key. Please put the key in the door so we can get the fluff out of here. <laughs> All right, I'll put the key in the door. Okay. All right. <laughs> now time we can go. Get, time to get. All right. Time to get the fuck out of Fairyland. <laughs> <laughs> so, for Melissa, I'm Jared. And then closing, we always say we're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. See you guys next time. Bye. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>